Tanel and Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here. Good afternoon and welcome to another of the Plowline podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Tunnell. And I'm Jerry Balrosa Tunnell. And we have two honored guests this morning, that uh, this afternoon, that we are looking forward to having a conversation with. Uh, we've got Sophie Terio. All right. Terio. Terio. You almost had it. <laughs> I almost had it. Well, I was going, I, I had Cheerio. <laughs> I should not have talked no, about breakfast cereal. No, I don't think cereal. you should talk about breakfast cereal. No. <laughs> and, um, and Anthony Ramirez. Hello, everyone. And uh, we are going to be um, talking about Anthony's story this morning and also um, going into detail about intersections of how our individual stories can intersect with the greater story of culture and society. Yes, absolutely. So thanks, Sophie. For actually introducing me to Anthony and Anthony, thank you so much for being here. So, um, really quickly, <clears throat> just want to let everybody know that I actually have a cold right now. With all the snow that Seattle's been having, it's been kind of crazy. Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born and raised in Carnation, Washington. Uh, I would. Would you like me to fill you in on my whole story as of right now, or just just get into it a little? Just go for it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, I was I was born I was born by uh, incarnation. I had my my father was a illegal immigrant from Mexico, and my mother she was a uh, she was a, a white woman living in living around the area, and uh, so they they met each other and they had me at a very young age. They were uh, eighteen and twenty, and. They were they were doing drugs and were not in a very fit place to take care of me. So they passed me on to my white mother's grandparents, and uh, and so they they took care of me for about ten twelve years until uh, or until fourteen years until they uh, they they broke apart, and then I I started living with my my grandmother, and she uh, and so she she started developing uh, lung cancer. And so at, at that point in my life, it's uh, uh, our, our living situation started to get a bit rocky because she couldn't uh, take care of us. And so we ended up moving in with my aunt, uh, who, who gave us a, a little bit of financial stability. And she, so she helped my grandmother along the way, too. And uh, so, I, so during that time, I, I was away from my grandfather for, for about two or three years. And, uh, and so I hadn't seen him for a long time. And my because th there was a lot there was a bit of strife in my aunt's household because uh because we we were uh because 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 we were just taking up a lot of space and and you know just it's just, hard to take care of three kids when they're not yours yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I also had two sisters that were in the mix as well so and where where <clears throat> excuse me where are you where in, am i in line with your siblings i i am the eldest yes okay yeah and so so we're we're all there and then so so that that's a lot for my aunt and my my Mexican aunt. She uh, she wanted to take me to to lift the strain a little bit away on them, and so I, I moved in in with her, and so I started going to my my second high school uh, in Redmond, and and that's that's when that's when things started to fall apart really bad. I uh, 
I was going through just a lot of a lot of uh, stupid teenager stuff. I was I was getting in trouble, and so I, I I even I wanted to leave there because I didn't want to be a bad influence on my aunts uh, my aunts uh, her kids kids yeah. And, How and, old were her kids? And her kid they were they were young, they were like my sister's age uh, sister's ages like six and eight. And so and so I I left my I had my mom she which so I I hadn't really. I hadn't lived with her. I haven't really spoken to her most of my life. And she came and she uh, she picked me up one night. And so we we went back to my my grandfather's house in Carnation where he had been, and I hadn't seen him for like three years. And so I I went there that night, and I and I saw him, and I and I spoke to him. I gave him a hug, and it was it was incredible to see him in uh, that time that it's been three years. Because in in the morning that I woke up, he had an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. and he and he passed away so it was i it was it was kind of a blessing because that that timing you know the not, very next day that you the, arrived the, the very next day in the morning i i wouldn't have been able to speak to him in the morning if i if i didn't come there that night then that would have yeah then that would have been so it. he didn't see him for three years and then they got to you know have a embrace hug him and then the next morning he died wow yeah and uh and so about a month after that my my grandmother passed she had uh her she had brain cancer as as well and so she passed from that and so uh, at that same house incarnation where my grandfather was my my mom started taking care of me and my sisters and uh there was a lot of drugs she 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 was getting into a depression so she started using drugs again which she, she already had issues with most of most of her life and and it, it was it was getting pretty bad she would have she would have criminals around she would have drug users and then she was she was in a bad mix of she was in a bad crowd of uh, nazis I, I would i would actually have there would be not people with like swastikas and and ss symbols on their faces or whatever they'd be at my house and like i and i i would always i would always say like hey you know i i don't agree with any of this to them and my mom and and you can't do much when they're in your home and welcomed into your home by your right. mom. Sure. Yeah. And how old were you at this time? I was I was 13 14 when all that was when this part of my life was going on with her living there. So this is your freshman sophomore year. Oh, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so that was that was really tough. I was I was failing in school. I I just I didn't care cuz of all this that was going on and I I I and so I was I was fed up with it. I just I I wanted to not be around drug use, so I just left the home, and uh, so I packed my bags and I just went to a Into friend's garbage house. Garbage bags. Yeah, I just I had two garbage bags full of things in a backpack, and that that was everything that I owned. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I walked to my friend's house and I just started I just started living at my uh, my friend's house's couch hopping from house to house, and uh, and so that was that was that was pretty tough. I I was going through high school. I. Uh, I was working jobs to help pay for pay for rent and food. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a very it was a very tough time. Uh, and then during and then and then during all that, while I was taking care of myself and and I and I, I started to do better in school. I, I was working really hard. I was getting decent grades, and like I said, I was working. I had a, I had a roof over my head. And then one one year, uh, I believe it was my soft, sophomore junior year. I went to a music festival with my friends, and I while I was there, I was walking down a path, and I slipped, and I slipped my wrist, and mm. I uh, had to go to the doctor to get like eight he had stitches. To go to the emergency room. I went to the emergency. <laughs> excuse me, the emergency room because it was such a big cut to get stitches, and uh, they were like, "Where are your parents?" And I was yeah. like, "I don't, Uh-oh. I don't have any parents." And then so they called the police, and the police came, and 
they uh, interviewed me asking me where my guardians were or where I was living and my and and the address to where I was living and then so I went home that that day and then five days later a CPS person came and they uh, they picked me up from there and they, they said the house was unfit and they took me and they took me out to a place called have you guys ever heard of uh, Spruce Street in Seattle no yes yeah, so Spruce Street is a homeless youth center and it's it's basically like like a detention center mm-hmm. it's all the windows are tinted you can't see outside when you come in they take away all of your belongings and clothes they put you in a jumpsuit they they pad you down they wand you to make sure you don't have any weapons and and then you're put in the facility with a whole bunch of other kids so you went from you went from a, a, a deteriorating situation um, in these formidable years of your youth, 13, 14 years old, where you're moving from guardian to guardian within your own family. Um, and, um, and unfortunately, due to, due to people splitting up and because of uh, um, people being ill, um, and obviously, you know, the burden of having uh, suddenly three children in their households, you're kind of moving around um, to back with your mother. Um, after your grandmother died and your grandfather died. Um, and, um, and that's about 14 years old. So it sounds like you're just starting maybe the summer before or just starting your sophomore year. Um, and, uh, and clearly saw that that situation was not going to work long term for you. So you made the decision to move out on your own. And how many months do you think you were on your own um, moving from house to house working and going to school? 24 or 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 more months yeah it was years two years, years or more yeah okay so you were into almost your junior end of your junior so, year so, like sophomore junior year when when, when i CPS got came yeah in. when cps came yeah and then you you basically you know and i think the i think it's the right you know right verb you were you fell into the system yes yeah they, i felt they they yeah. took me i when i was doing completely fine yes yeah yeah so okay so you've you've picked yourself up you know you've got your your grades are improving. You're you're managing you know you're you're managing yourself as best as a 16, 15 year old can, and then um, and then um, you're put into the system. What happened next? So, so so I, I was only there for about a month. It was it wasn't fun. It was it was hell. But I after was it like prison? It I I felt that it was like prison. I so eventually so everybody's in there right and. You're you're there for I I was there for like three weeks until you have your uh your CPS whoever whoever you're connected to in the CPS you have right. you have a somebody who's assigned to you right. and then that worker so she she made it able for me to have two hours out every day and so that that was fine I was I was like hey now I'm not I'm not locked away anymore and so and and I've never been locked away in my life so that was yeah. it was it was a very extreme it was an extreme change for me and so after that I started going out. And I was really happy, and I was, and it was coming up to my birthday that month, August, in August, and and I was like, I was just really saddened that I and I didn't want to be in here, and I was, and I I know I'm a smart person, and I and I work hard, and so I was, I just wanted to leave, mm-hmm. and so. And when, you were turning how old at that time? I was turning. Let's see, I think I think seventeen or no, 16, no, sixteen. No, sixteen. Yeah, and so I was, I was just fed up with it. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna leave, and so. One day when I was supposed to have my two hours out, I, I just took uh, as many items as I could from my from my all my stuff. Which there. is probably not much. And not much. Uh, yeah. What you came with. Just a small bag. And I and then I ran away. 
and uh, I I just took a bus. I just took a bus back to the same place where I where not the same house, but the same town. And then I just stayed with friends like I was doing before. And apparently, I just fell off the map. CPS didn't need, they didn't come looking for me. Really, I, start, I I went to the same school. I did everything the same. I got a job again, and uh, so nothing you, happened. You enrolled yourself. In I school. enrolled myself in school. Yes, and I, I that's the second time I've done that without a guardian. The first time I it was. It was at a secondary high school in the area, and they knew. And I just told them my situation. They're like, you know what? You're working hard and you're living fine, so we're gonna allow you to do this. And and so I just, I went and did that again. Yeah. So this facility, what did you call it again? What was the name of it? Spruce Street. Spruce Street. It's right on Alaskan Way. It's right next to the like. Uh, it's near Pike Place and things like that. Okay. It's right downtown to Seattle. Okay. Uh, is there a school associated with it? Were you going to school there? No, it was the summer, so I didn't ah. have to worry about that. Yeah. Okay, so you spent the summer in there. Yeah, for for like I said, I was there for a month. You were there for thirty so days. So probably yes. probably the month of August because your birthday is August twenty fifth. So yeah, right before I, I think it started in July, and then I was nearing my birthday, and that's when I left. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, <laughs> so like for everybody else, incarnation like you, you took you like hey, welcome back from vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, and you just you're you're right back in it. You're right back uh, at school. Um, so this is your junior year. Okay, I, I assume so. I I don't have very this a lot's going on. So there, I have, there's so much yeah. going on. There. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty clear that <laughs> right. I mean, and that's going to happen with trauma, right? You know, memory is going to become uh, convoluted and mixed. Yeah. Um. You know, I um. Anecdotally, you know, my parents divorced when I was five, and um. And I remember not having any memories up until about 10. Um, no memories. I couldn't remember anything. And then when I was about 24, 25, I started counseling. And uh, I have memories. Like, you know, I have memories oh. of my childhood now. But I think that's what happens, right? Trauma, trauma really pulls back on the memory because I think it's trying to protect you. I think your brain is trying to protect you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, and you know, while... Also, going back to the therapy aspect was Anthony did go through therapy at CPS, uh, but the therapists that you saw, what, what would you, what not, would you not, describe? I'm not through Child Protection Agency. I have been through therapy and counseling in numerous other settings, though. But that was all and, state, right? And I mean, yes, it was all state appointed. Uh, some of it was private, but I never I never found anything that works. Thankfully, uh, j- just a side note, not now, now I am going through counseling. I put myself in there and... Yeah, it's. I, I think everybody should go through counseling. Right. It's just. But do it's you so think that, that the therapists that were state appointed helped you at all? Like, what did they do? Not, not really. But I don't think that was the state's problem. I just think that for counseling, I think people just need to find a counselor that yeah. fits with them. Yeah, sense. yeah. So let's continue with uh, with the story, and then yes. I want to dive into a couple of things. So, um, so it's probably your junior year. You're right back there. Go. Yeah. So I'm I'm back in town. I'm working. I am going to school. Um, nothing, I, I can't really think of anything exciting that, that, that has happened through that time. I mean, I, uh. well, I mean, so, so <laughs> I took care, I, I finished, I finished going through high school. I put myself through high school. I, Did you meet anyone important? I met, I met Sophie. I, so I met my <laughs> oh girlfriend. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was important. Um, yeah. Uh, other than meeting my loved one, uh, I, 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 I haven't really experienced like, like, true homelessness like being like outside only like uh like a couple a handful of times like yeah. like one time i've had to like sleep in a barn and that was 
that was extremely cold like like you know i couldn't even sleep during the night because well, it was so cold and what i remember when after i started meeting you is your senior year you graduated in 2016 and that's when we first really met but um after that you he was finding rental places to stay and they were what, I'm, I'm sorry let, let me stop you yes yeah, so so during she just reminded me so during this time i actually uh so i was very poor i was working i was working to make money for myself and go to school and and i would never have any money just to like do whatever what you know have fun with and so one one day i was i was crossing the street with my friends and how old were you i was six i was 15 i was 15 years old i was crossing the street with my friends and uh i was on a little a little razor scooter and the people on my left side were stopped and the lights, the crosswalk lights were flashing and there was nobody on the right side of the road. They were way down the road and I started crossing and then this lady hit me at like 30 miles an hour and my friends just saw me go flying and I hit my 10, head on the concrete feet. and I hit my head on the concrete and uh, yeah, I was, I, thankfully I only got five stitches. I, I didn't go under her car, nothing, nothing severe happened, but I, I ended up suing her. I, I went to the hospital and I, I was I was okay other than the stitches. And I ended up suing her because that was that's just that's crazy. It's a hit, and she yeah. hit, it was and a she hit tried and run, to run. Yeah. Yes, yes. And she 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 started to drive down the road, but there were so many people honking at her and screaming at her that she turned around and she came back. And so so I ended up suing her, and I got I got a, a decent amount of money for myself. And so that was just being being like a homeless person, and then coming in touch with like. Just a, a it was large, kind of a blessing in disguise. Yes, a blessing in disguise. Yes, I sure. just a, a lot of money. I I finally was able to get my own room. I rented a I rented a room like a a room situation from somebody, and it was it was just lovely. Well, yes. and I remember <laughs> yeah. the first rental you had when I met you. It was uh, incarnation. We call it Drug Hill um, because there was a huge heroin bust about ten years ago that was massive, um, and he was living in this space. And he I remember going over for the first time, and you know it was. It was probably a double wide trailer, no front steps. You had to go to the back. Um, and the, this room, there was mold on the mattress. And I remember him spinning in this room and being like, it's all mine. Look at this place. It's mine. And I was like, it's great, sweetheart. I love it. Um, and that was his first experience. The next rental, I think, was a lot better um, in terms of how the quality of it was. But that was like you had a room you had a roof over your head and that just proved to me that how grateful you were for that space and because you haven't had that in a long time sounds like you found some stability yeah and uh and that stability sounds like it took you through your junior and your senior year it, it helped extremely yes. yeah and and so um and so you graduated high school which is just unbelievable it's to me pretty how, incredible. Did you, how did you do it how did i graduate i I just I I knew that that education is something that's that's extremely valuable and you, you need you need a high school diploma to do anything in this world right or in, in the United States at least right now so so I was like this is what I need to do and I need to and and aside from that my, my grandparents I, I I give a lot of thanks just to how I am for my grandparents mm -hmm. because like they 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 had their own issues but they taught me good values and with with good values i feel like like that's that's driven that's driven me this whole way yeah yeah so gonna, oh, go ahead. Ahead. i was gonna ask you um phenotypically you you don't look you don't look mexican um how do you i how do you how do you identify right now 
I mean, I, I identify as, as a Mexican American. Uh, some people think I look native. Some people think I look, uh, White. Some, white. Some people think I look Mexican. I don't. I, I don't care. I don't care what people think. I'm just. I think I'm. I'm Mexican American. I'm. I'm half white. I'm Mexican. And <laughs> your dad you? lives now in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And I. And okay. And speaking with that, I have not had any contact with my father since I was. Since I was like four. No. No. Since I was like. Oh, th- I've talked to him since I uh, once when I was thirteen, and that was not a very pleasant conversation. He. uh and before that, it was like when last time I saw him was when I was five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the conversation was over the phone. So yeah, I haven't seen him in, in who knows how long. How's yeah. your sisters doing? Uh, so they are both they're both in stable environments right now. And they're doing they're doing everything that uh, young young kids should be doing right now. So going to one school. is 12 and one is right about 15. Have you have you um, how have you encouraged them? to stay positive through all of their adversity so through a lot of that time i did not i wasn't a very good brother i didn't talk to them i didn't i didn't try and contact them until i until like i was 18 19 and that's when i started 17 18 19 and then that's when i was like okay i am an adult and i need to start instilling good good uh good things in them uh i i just be just because i i know when i was their age and i didn't have anybody to tell me things it's sometimes i would do stupid stuff you know and it's and i feel really bad for that but uh but now but since since then i i've just tried to contact them as much as i can and just tell them that i love them i think that's the most important thing and uh one of the youngest her dad kind of left the picture same as anthony's dad and he's living you know other places around elite and she doesn't really know um where he's at and then the second oldest she her dad died of an overdose um and so and she's living with i think a okay environment i don't think it's really allowing her to blossom as much as she could but it's a roof over her head and they've all gone through really similar experiences and um they all have the same mom and three different dads as i said um and yeah they're gonna i i have hope that they're gonna be really resilient along with you mm-hmm. um and what are you doing now yeah and and now so i'm i finished high school and i'm going to college um i'm working in uh to to get my aa in business technology which which is basically like administrative work and uh so yeah i'm just i'm just trying to finish that up and i'm current i'm casually looking for a job right now uh you've had a lot of work experience yeah i've I've worked in many places yeah when you were um when you took those two bags, those two trash bags, and you walked out, did your sisters see you? No, I don't think I even said goodbye. Honestly, thinking about that right now, that's, that must have been kind of traumatizing for them. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was growing up, I, I went through a lot myself as well, you know, and... I ran away from home. I was part of the system as well too, but this was in this was in Hawaii. And so I kind of like I didn't fall into the system. I put myself there. Mm, yeah. You know, so there is there's definitely a difference. Do you think that um when you were when you were going from home to home and before CPS picked you up, what was going through your mind? Like, what kept you motivated? What kept you going and waking up every morning? 
I just wanted to be happy and be in a comfortable environment. And I knew, I knew, I knew that someday I would be able to put myself there. And so that's, that's, that's really what drove me. I was, I was sad and depressed a lot of that time, but I just, and then the the thought of my grandparents as well, like Mm -hmm. how, how they would want me to be. And something about Anthony is that he's very headstrong and he's very stubborn. And I think that really was an advantage to his situation because he was like, no, I'm not settling. I'm not settling for this. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get myself out of that situation. And like, even when I met you, when you were 17, you've done a 180 of who you are and like you are so seriously destined for success and that like watching that is like oh my gosh and i say this all the time he humbles me a lot because i'm like how can someone who has gone through all of this shit really come out good on the other side and so it makes me lose a lot of faith for a lot of people that haven't had it as hard and i'm like dang you're still so rude and he's like awesome so um he's very humbling um it's good to hear his stories it Thanks, sounds Sophie. to me like it's uh, it's a case of what wolf do you feed, right? You have two wolves inside of you, one that is angry and, and bitter, and one that is seeking joy and peace. Which one do you feed? Um, you know, and uh, um, you seem to have chosen the latter. You know, you seem to have chosen one that seeks um, peace. And it sounds pretty clear that early on, you know, that's the vision you had. I want a place where I can rest easy and be at peace. And you, you've driven yourself towards it. Do you feel like you've moved in that direction? Do you feel like you are, I mean, you know, you've got a whole life ahead of you. That, that is a wonderful analogy, but yes, I feel, I feel so happy with who I am and what I've become and everything that I've done. I've, I've lived a very full life and at 20, I, at 20 years old. I, I believe I wouldn't be who I am without all the hardships that I've gone through. So then also I'm like, I I feel like I feel I feel I I, I just feel happy I, feel, I do feel happy with what I've been through like it's a very it's it's depressing and it's and it's very anger filling sometimes you know but but I it, it makes me who I am yeah yeah so um let's talk a little bit about uh about your interactions with the system um uh, you know from what I heard in the story it was pretty brief were there other interactions with CPS with the um or was it that one summer Other other than that one summer, that that that's all. Yes, they they just they took me in, and then I was out of it before I even knew it. Sounds like it was a hole, though. You know, like it sounds like it's a hole that a lot of people fall into and never get out. Right, because they never went to look for you. You were seventeen when you left, right? Yes, and that's I was extremely confused because <laughs> they tried to drill into my head that hey, if you leave, we send people after you to find you, and I that. Everything that I took from that my time being there is that that's what they did to other people. And so I don't know if I was just uh, a r- random occurrence or if that if that's what actually happens to everybody. Well, in my experience, we I mean, we don't have similar stories, but we both have hard, hard stuff that we've both went through. Um, and I remember going through the systems when I was like 16 in that area. And. I remember I just didn't I didn't want to follow what my parents wanted me to do. And they my mom was talking to me and my mom is my confidant, you know, and she said, you know, Sophia, if you go through the courts, if you are really adamant, they're not going to do anything when you're 16. They know they cannot control a 16 year old kid, you know, Um, 
which is like they kind of like she portrayed that they were just going to give up if I decided to run away, you know, um, which I think rang true in your story um, with that. It sounds like the safest place that they can put you, um, at least from their perspective, right? Their system. And so the safest place they can put you is in a cage. Yeah. And you know? I wonder mm-hmm. how many kids that you were boarding with that believed them when they said that they were going to come after them and then decided to stay. And I wonder how their experience has gone through the system when you got out of it. Well, and also um, those that fell through the system and they never went to find them. Absolutely. And are they actually still here with us? Yeah, because I don't, I've thought about it before, you know, in my late night thinking of like, dang, I wonder what would happen to you if you weren't so motivated to be successful, if you didn't really feel like you had stuff to live for um, and where you would be. And that terrifies me, obviously, because I love you, but um, it's scary to think about how what, how things could have been different. Yeah, and what gets me too is that you were able to enroll in school as a minor without any guardian anything i i don't know how so so with that i think that was the school taking a risk and they knew that i was i was a decent person it's also possible that those people in cps um you know when you left may have taken a risk and said let him go true and and so also with this my time in there there was some good and some bad like viewing it on on other kids as well like so some kids some kids so a lot of people didn't need to be in there but like there was one guy and I, I forget the, I forget the lad's name, but he he was in there. He didn't have any family. He didn't have nothing. He was just on the streets alone. And he he was turning 18 one day when I was in there. It was one of my last days that I was in there. And he he didn't have anything to go to. He didn't have any he didn't have anything outside. And so when he turned 18, they, they were like, oh, it's your 18th birthday. You got to leave. Here's a cake. Now you have to go on the streets. Wow. And it's, and I, I, and it's, it's just, it's just interesting to see that because then it's, it's like they were helping him, you know, but then there's all, it's like the, it just kind of, the help ends at that, that yeah. point. Were they know? equipping him though? Were they giving him the tools he needed at 18 in order to go and do what he needed to do? I mean, it, it seemed like they were treating him like one of any, any of the other kids there. Yeah. Just, just, just doing their job, feeding them and, and whatnot. They you know? give them to another shelter. You're not like, Hey, okay, we have this set up for you. I, Resources. Yeah, yeah, there's none. If you could go back, you know, I mean, you're, you're in college now, right? And if you could go back to Spruce Street, what would you do to change it to ensure that everyone is taken care of there? I would get there. I would, I would get some people's information and and try and assist them on the outside or give them advice on what i already know and resources that i already know and and with that said i've I've even thought about going to spruce street and talking to the officials there and trying to like trying to to make it better there and maybe maybe try to get resources to kids there or people that are leaving or just there needs to be change because it's the system this cps it's all it i mean it some of it works but the majority of it is just not it's not it doesn't work. it works from the sense of it it's shielding on paper them from, on paper it works yeah and, well and it's also shielding them from the environments of drugs and and uh, abuse and right yes you know? well until, until you to get do. out too sure until you right. get those two hours out it depends on what you're going to do with your time mm. and and they're letting them out into downtown seattle right next to pike um 
go ahead. Oh no, I'm just I've just pointed to you because I'm like, yes, you are you are correct. Like that that is not a good environment for like fairly volatile environment. Yeah. So yeah, a lot right. of the kids would would not do like certain certain they wouldn't do good things, you know. And so it's like even then they're not they're not. Well, and a lot of yeah. a lot of those you know a lot of those kids that are in the system, they already feel as if they are disengaged from family and everything, and so they're looking for. A place of belonging and to be stripped of your stuff when you get there and right. to be put in an outfit that they give you like that just sounds so demeaning and like looking back when i was 16 17 like i would be so embarrassed to be there and like i that's that just sounds awful to me right mm-hmm. right and then to be let out for two hours they are going to do what they need to do to try to find that place of belonging. And I remember they would they would give you bus tickets, yeah, and like those are very tradable on Pike Place Market um, for things that you don't really want to be doing with those two hours. But like, what choice do they have, really? Mm. Well said. So um, uh, one of the things I like about uh, one of the things I think about um, sometimes is I like the idea of uh, of the multiverse. I like the idea that there are multiple. Um, universes out there, and I like the idea um, that quantum physics gives us that uh, that every moment in time is a collapse um, from a wave of potentiality into um, into the par- particle of a particular moment, and it's a constant waveform collapsing into moments. But those moments branch, right? And the multiverse is the idea that um, that. This conversation is happening in different ways and in different forms and with different people and never happens at all. And and uh, and in that vein, um, you know, for me, I, I will often like I'll have a close call, right? You know, like a close call while driving or or something like that. And I'll think, you know, in some universe, Jeremy's dead. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, like so when you think about that, think about the multiverses. Um, you know, of Anthony's and where they could be, where they are, and where you are now. What can you do with that? Where can you go with that? That is that is very broad, but I... <laughs> it is very broad. <laughs> when, well, when I think about that, I, I know that there's a lot of Anthony's that would be down in a hole. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just not doing good things or not, or just bad places, but... But then there's yeah, there, then there's the other side. There's me and and maybe even better me's, you know. Like I like I I am a, I am a hard worker and I am I'm doing everything that I can right now. But I probably could be doing a lot more. Maybe yeah. But I think you deserve a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, going to school is hard. <laughs> so as a you're a full time student, and we've talked about this before many times of just like oh, you know, maybe I could get a job. Maybe I could just relax for a couple months. And it's like, yeah, why don't you do that? That's good. (laughs) Because you've had had more than enough to to fill those 20 years with. And Sophie, we haven't really uh, asked you any questions. Um, What do you do? do? How old are you, 18? I'm 18, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm on the Snoqualmie Valley Community Network Board. Shout out. I'm also on the King County Youth Advisory Board. I'm the youngest member um, doing that. And that's when we advise the executives, the King County executives. Um, and so we deal with a lot of child and youth problems. Um, and that's what our board is all involved about. Um, and so I'm very 
I know the technical side of this uh, and having Anthony with me and having this story behind it, it motivates me to do more change. And, and um, Anthony's done enough. I'm like, you live your life. Like, that's great. I And I'm like completely supportive of whatever you choose to do. And I'm just like, I'm just listening and trying to change things uh, in my community. How are you doing that? Um, trying to involve myself in whatever, whatever mischief I can do to try and voice, um, voice Anthony's story and voice my story and coming on podcasts like this and being like, let you got to listen to this kid's story. Um, what's your story? Oh, my story. Well, uh, my parents got divorced when I was four. Um, my dad comes from a family of 14 kids and by the time... He was 22, seven of his siblings had died. Um, and so he, ex- extreme, er, he f- experienced extreme trauma. Um, and through that hurt, he kind of never got better. Um, and after my parents got divorced, I kind of experienced a lot of, we call them ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Um, and there's five different kind of ACEs. And I've experienced almost every single one of them. Um, and looking at the data, you're more likely to fall into drugs. You're more likely to fall into, um, just doing unproductive things. And, um, I like to call it the superhero gene. I think my mom has it and I think Anthony has it. I'm trying to find, um, how to really get that. Um, but just trying to change, I think really it comes down to turning your anger into passion um and turning your sadness into passion um and so you you feel all these emotions and you can let them bring you down and i absolutely have let them bring me down um but just trying to charge through that and turn it into passion into change um and i think something that's really helped me is just people giving me opportunities um and putting more trust and leadership onto me and that's motivated me to uh to just be be better and i mean i'm saying that as a very you know i haven't lived a lot of life exp- i mean i've i've experienced a lot but i feel like i still am learning every day um but that's a little bit about me mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well i mean think about the all the you're 18 and think about all the all the things you're involved in and uh you know um sounds to me like maybe it's not a uh it's not trying to find that superhero be, uh, uh, gene. Maybe it's a matter of recognizing that you already have it. Aww. <laughs> well, that's very, that's, very, uh, that's very nice of you to say. I am trying. I'm trying. Um, but, yeah, just really turning your, turning your trauma into healing. And, and Jerry and I have talked about restorative justice about probably a million times, and we've done workshops yes, about it and things like that. Um, and just finding healing in yourself kind of heals all the stuff around you and um my relationship with my parents luckily has really turned around from when i was younger and along with anthony's story like mine is completely opposite um you kind of like you had a good base from zero to probably 10 when stuff started turning around but my zero to 10 was the hardest and like some of my early memories are hiding behind a couch with my brother while my parents are fighting um and i think having that trauma start at an early age really impacted me my when i got into high school 
and things started getting better for me. Um, but then things got a whole lot worse. A really good um, father figure of mine, someone I looked up to a lot, he passed away on my 14th birthday. Um, and then about three months after that, my uncle committed suicide. Um, and that was extremely hard to go through. Um, and that was my mom's only brother. So my dad had 14 siblings, seven of them left, including him. And then my mom had one half brother and he committed suicide. Um, Tough. Yeah, it was really, really hard, especially because I was going through my own depression, my own suicidal tendencies. Um, but like, also that, like, that was a blessing in disguise because if he hadn't committed suicide, like, I don't think that I would have uh, snapped out of it and thought about the people that I could be affecting, um, with my depression and with my, um, things that I could have done to myself. Mm. Um, cause I, the last time I saw my uncle, I was probably two. Um, but his, it impacted me so much. Um, even though I didn't really know him that well. So I was like, wow, I've got a lot of people that love me and I can't really do anything to hurt them like that. Um, so yeah. I, um, uh, when we were young and, you know, we were your age, um, we heard some of the same things that you have heard. Um, the labels were just different. You know, um, this generation is this. This generation is that. Uh, you know, it seems like it's, a, it's the curse of generations to complain about the generation that comes after them. Mm -hmm. And especially the generation that comes after that. Yeah. You know, the, like, it's a never ending cycle the, of hating. The boomers <laughs> love to complain about millennials. Oh yeah. But they loved clean, complaining about Gen Xers when we were your age, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, and, and Gen Xers complain about millennials and so on and so forth. Um, but there is something different about your generation. Um, and, you're sitting uh, in this place, right, where it's, you know, it's probably difficult to see um, because you, you're in it, right? You know, it's tough to it's tough to recognize the water that you're in, mm -hmm. right? The water that you're Absolutely. breathing, the water that you're, and um, you are different. You grew up, and the and um, some of you, um, some of your generation, and then the generation to come after you. Um, grew up with um, with a, a connection to the world through digital medium that we never had. Mm -hmm. um, and so you've seen things and you've experienced things um, audiovisually um, that and collectively, right? Through memes and through viral um, videos, um, which becomes a collective experience. Absolutely. I uh, totally agree. And those things have changed. Those things have changed the way that you see the world, that you communicate about the world. Um, and when I listen to um, these two generations coming up underneath us, I'm hearing at ages, um, I'm hearing a maturity and an understanding of, of how the world works. I had no clue, no clue. You know, I mean, when I was 19, I was kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not because I was, uh, you know, I was a dumb person. It's because it's because we were so sheltered, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how and how would we not be sheltered? You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, we, we, we did the, it, the 
the medium just did not exist. Well, I think having reality in our face all the time, like you can't really escape um, what's going to come in the next 20, 30, 50 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that I'm probably going to be alive for that. Um, And it's really scary, but it also is like, anything can happen i'm gonna live every single day like it's my last i'm gonna live every single day and try and change something um and i work a lot and i often like will come home and maybe work a six hour or six day week and then on my seventh day i will you know be in my pajamas and and be eating popcorn and things like that and then i'll be like oh my, I need to be doing something. And I'm like, okay, no, I can take a rest. I can take one day to relax. Um, But just really like having the social media and having the news at your fingertips, having a tiny computer in my pocket all the time um, just really motivates me and and has that harsh reality kind of right right there Um, and brings like, makes me try and do better, I think. but yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And you two are you're you're living together. Yeah. yeah. And you guys we just are started, taking care of yourself. Yeah, we we're living bills. together six months in this February. So Yeah. It's right been on. going cool. All going well, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's one of the things that, you know, it really um I get excited about. You know, both of you have gone through a lot in your young lives. And what is what really gets me is that things that people would look at as a curse or um, as just major tragedy and trauma, you both found blessings in that, mm. which takes a level of maturity that I know when I was your age, I didn't have. So seeing that and knowing what the future holds for me, looking at the two of you, it's like, I think we're going to be okay. Aww. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> we, I think we both motivate each other to live our best lives and to just take, take things as blessings because every day we are able to live is a blessing to me. And I think Anthony feels the same way. And because we've gone, both of us have gone through so much, um, I think that we just have a really great appreciation for life and a really great appreciation for um just being just being here and trying to be as present as we can um and also like looking forward and preparing for our future um just one day at a time yeah do you get the sense and the feel um that uh i mean i've been living in this this society for 46 years you know and jerry's been living it for in it for just a few more years than i have um i know that for both of us um kind of listening to the experience of our grandmothers and grandfathers and i was fortunate enough to listen to the experience of my great-grandmother and and uh um you know just in our lifetime we've seen so much change damn just in the past 15 years we've seen so much change and 15 years ago i was three right (laughs) you know like the world has changed yeah and um, and the anticipation that I know that both of us feel is that we're on the cusp of something. Um, do you feel that as well? What do you mean as a something? Can you, can you define that a little more? Well, 
Um, like I said, it's hard to it's hard to um, it's hard to recognize the water you breathe, right? Are you talking about like societal change? Societal change. Oh, okay. And yeah. so, um, mm-hmm. you know, like this device, you know, this computer that fits in my pocket, it has changed the world. The world operates. Um, we are through the looking glass. Literally, we are through the looking glass. The world <laughs> operates differently than it did um, fifteen years ago, and. Um, and I don't think that's going to stop. Um, I think that we're going to continue to see um, change. Um, you know, we're going to move on one side of the looking glass and we're going to flip back through another. But you have to understand that another for the, the amount of time it took for us in order to flip through the looking glass, um, you know, was probably our parents and our um, in complete generational lifetime. And then this thing comes along and a lot changed. But this thing comes along and boom, we are on the other side of, a, of the looking glass. Absolutely. Like, things are moving see so one. fast right now. Right. Um, and looking at technology and things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we, yeah, I absolutely feel like we've gone over a big hill and we're kind of just riding it right now. Um, yeah. So using your imagination, what are those things you think you're going to see? I think we're going to see them as well. I think we're going to see a political revolution. Yeah. I hope so. Okay. Talk to me about that. Um, well, I just think that a lot of people are fed up. Um, and what I really, really like about this, the presidency right now, is that it's getting people off their butts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting people more involved because they're like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's like, you've let it happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And so uh, kind of just like realizing things and realizing things on a global level and i think that um a lot of climate change activists are going to do a lot of big changes in the next couple years or i'm crossing my fingers that's going to happen yeah um because i like to look at all the innocent things um in the world and i work with kids which i think are some of the most innocent things and i'm like should i change my career paths because those kids are going to grow up um and i'm thinking of like oh okay how can i it saved these truly innocent beings, which are the animals and, and the plants of this earth um, that really have done nothing but give to us. Yeah. And um, I am really hoping that there's going to be a revolution of that kind um, of just hopefully going greener, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, I, although I do have a, a iPhone with a, a battery that's probably not very good for this earth right now in my pocket. Um, but just doing little things to change things. But I, I do think that in the next 20, 30 years, we're going to have some pretty major changes, whether it's um, we run out of run out of something and, and things like that, or um, politically, something's going to something's going to rally. Yeah. And you just you're 18. So you, you I just, didn't even vote. You didn't in even 2016. Vote. Right. I was I got my license. So yeah. <laughs> you'll have a chance to vote this next time. Yeah, I'm really excited. How about, yeah. how about you, Anthony? Yeah, um, well, just looking at how fast social media and ideas are exchanged through computers and other other forms like that, it's. I don't think there'll be extreme change in like one moment, but with that, there's like there's a, there's tons of small every day. There's small change. There's people being activists in certain field or just just people people developing certain things, and and with that, just things are gonna go faster and faster as as you you kind of mentioned. Yeah. yeah, and I I don't think that you can learn fast enough like there's people going and going to college right now and getting degrees and you're getting your business technology degree which is like so radical and And relevant yeah but in five years it's probably going to be like oh i have to go get another degree you know (laughs) because you cannot learn fast enough 
through the things that are going and happening right now. Um, and even the stuff we don't even know that are on the cusp that people are working on. I, I think about that all the time and I'm like, I wonder what some person is doing behind closed doors right now. Yeah. Um, and how much we're going to have to, oh, we have to catch up, you know, we have to run in and think about this before we do it, which is not really a human quality that is unknown. We don't really think before we do things, um, which happens a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, um, I do think that there will be uh, some significant social change. I do think there will be some major um, events. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of those, and I do, it, it'll happen in pieces, but, um, uh, uh, you know, but before I'm dead, we'll be in the solar system. Um, fairly convinced of that. Oh, yeah. I don't know how big I it will totally be, but agree. we will be out there. <laughs> At least on Mars. At least on Mars. Well, but that's no small feat. Well, NASA that's a huge thing. just yeah. came out with, um, when we're, when we leave for, the moon next time we're not coming back like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna plant something yeah. um and i totally agree with that i think that's totally happening and i'm like i just read an another article about um a russian space company that's putting advertisements in the night sky and i'm like can we not can we enjoy <laughs> the stars right um and well, so and we've like got that. uh you know i mean we've got uh um bezos company as well as uh, oh, yeah. as well as um uh, you know, we've got SpaceX as well. And um, so there's there's two companies that are prepared to ferry goods and people. And Elon Musk. Um, right. Who every technology he is working on from tunnels to batteries to every every bit of it is actually about the colonization of Mars. You know, you're going to colonize underground. Which is so <laughs> crazy. We have colonized <laughs> enough people. <laughs> I, I think colonization is a human. It, it's what humans yeah, do. Absolutely. I agree. You know, it's the colonization of each other that becomes the problem. Uh -huh, yeah. Um, but when you run out of space to colonize, I know. And, and you start colonizing each <laughs> right, other. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate both of you. Coming we appreciate in. you absolutely thank you for having me oh absolutely and appreciate Abby, your story um what are you up to tell us really quick on is there anything else how can we get in touch with you what's coming up for you uh so right now i'm i'm just casually looking for a job uh if you need to contact me uh i got an email right now uh anthony a-n-t-h-o-n-y uh dot w dot ramirez R-A-M-I-R-E-Z at hotmail.com. Are you working on anything, uh, writing anything? Uh, actually, yes, I am. So right now I am writing a memoir for myself. Uh, it will be available in video format. So at some point I will, I will some some point soon, within the next couple of weeks, I will be uploading that to the internet for everybody to view if you uh, want to further see my story in detail. And there's going to be a lot, a lot more. This is just like skimming the top of the things oh, you've gone through. You've got... Anthony, you've got so much to share, um, especially with with um, a lot of those individuals who are sitting in the dark right now, not knowing which way to turn. And I think with your story, you'll be able to help shed some light in hoping that some of these lost individuals will realize that they're not very lost. Thank you. That's what I hope to do. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And Sophie, you too. You've got a lot. Yeah, I'm hearing that story from both of you. <laughs> you Thanks. got a lot yeah. going. You got a lot going on. So keep doing the uh, good work. 
Yeah, thanks and for you guys are you are the ones that are supporting us in this and like both of you are inviting us to your podcast to speak about this and and I just want to express gratitude to trying to learn things and trying to do new things and and learn about more human experiences and I think that's what it's all about um and you guys do, are doing a great job with that. Thank you. Absolutely. We appreciate Thank you very that. much. Keep in mind that the drive that's brought you this far is the drive that will continue forward. And the focus, the animal you feed, is the one that's going to determine the path. What do we have going on? Um, have you got any events coming up? Oh, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we do. We actually um, have the uh, pre-launch um, fundraiser and vendor fair coming up on March 9th over at InSpark. And both Sophie and I and a couple of other of our colleagues are planning for the uh, Navahine Okamana, the uh, Power of Women's Summit that's coming up on May 11th in celebration of the American Equal Rights Association. So um, people, you can check out powerofwomen.rocks or you can find me at www.co3co3consulting.net. A few of the things I think that have taken place, you've recently been added as a consultant for... Yes, I've I've been recently added as a facilitator for uh, World Trust as Which well. Which does too. what? Um, basically, what uh, Sophie mentioned earlier is we go around and we speak on restorative justice and hold conversation and dialogue around the film Healing Justice from World Trust. And Co3 Consulting can be found at co3consulting.net, where Co3's uh, Co3's consultants. Um, can talk about uh, the power of narrative and storytelling, uh, the uh, resilience and building resilience within the individual and organizations, as well as um, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work and how it relates to belonging. And the power of aloha. Thank you so much for joining the Plowline podcast today. We Thank have you. enjoyed talking with our guests. Thanks. Really Thank appreciate you. it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We will see you all next time. <laughs>